Stan Tequila is a, a naturalist. He's an author. He's a photographer. He, he takes people from around the world uh, on exotic trips to, to look at bears in the woods and photograph them or to Yellowstone for adventures there. And uh, he joins us again. And let's talk a little bit about uh, an article. Oh, Stan, welcome to KFGO again. Hi, Jack. How you doing today? I'm I'm doing well. I, I very much enjoyed your your article that you just published a couple of days ago uh, on NatureSmart.com. And by the way, if if you know Stan's name T E K I E L A Stan Tequila, you can find a zillion books by him. He's prolific, and uh, I I particularly liked your uh, winter weather article. You know about you know. What creatures do well in the winter and which ones don't, and it was a it was a very interesting th- uh, article. Yeah, it you know um, it seems a little strange to be talking about so much winter here in March, yeah. but uh, this is uh, I think we're looking at some at least for I'm I'm west of the Twin Cities, and uh, at least for our area, it's been. Um, we're approaching the top 10 snowiest winters uh, on record, and it's been pretty darn cold. And then I spent uh, over a month in Yellowstone and then up to Alaska. So winter weather has been on my mind a lot lately. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I wrote an article about that, about um, how it is, because, you know, people like to often think that uh, there's a generic or a way in which all animals can survive, and it's simply not true because every animal, uh, whether it be a bird, uh, you know, like an owl or an eagle or a moose or a raccoon, all has their own strategies in which to survive winter. Um, and some do better than others. I mean, I think we automatically assume that winter weather means uh, difficult times, uh, you know, for some species that they can't make it or, you know, that, that type of thing, where, where in fact, really, uh, for example, uh, mice and voles and shrews do very well underneath that blanket of snow, and uh, they survive very well. Um, and they don't hibernate, and they're very active and, and doing a bunch of things. Um, going up the scale a little bit, uh, raccoons, possums, skunks, in that dead part of winter, that January, uh, February, you know, the coldest, darkest part, is um, those animals tend to um, not hibernate, but just hold up and stay kind of laying low for, um, um, you know, for some time until the worst part of the winter is over, then they start coming back out. So right about now, we're seeing a lot of uh, these animals starting to become more active, and we're starting to see them as roadkill on the sides of the road, and we're starting to see tracks in the woods, and we're starting to see activities from these kind of medium-sized animals. You know, one one part of your article, I learned two things. Uh, One was that moose enjoy winter weather, and I learned about how they suffer from winter ticks. So continue. Yeah, winter ticks are uh, an issue for moose. So moose are a, a you know a large, long-legged animal that does fairly well. They're well adapted for our winters, um, and um, and in fact, as the as our climate is warming, uh, the moose are are definitely having a harder time with that. They're having a harder time with the um, you know warmer summers, uh, shorter winters, so on and so forth. So it's, uh, uh, I mean, they all, like I said, every animal has its kind of advantages and disadvantages to uh, surviving winter. 
And uh, moose get uh, something called winter ticks, and these winter ticks um, attach themselves by the thousands to these moose, and they start feeding on the blood of the moose, and they can literally drain the uh, uh, the blood out of the out of the moose over time. Uh, and what kind of puts these uh, winter ticks at bay is a nice cold, hard winter like we've been having, and so that should help uh, you know animals like the moose, but it's not going to help other animals. We we do get some animals like. Uh, uh, American robins, we always think that they're such a migratory bird, when in fact they're really not. They're a partial migrator, and uh, I would say a small percentage of them don't migrate at all, maybe less than 10%, but that's a fair amount of them that don't migrate at all, and they're trying to survive uh, through the winter. So, that, like, typical fashion with nature, all everything or every every one of them does it slightly different from the next one. You know, I, I'm always amazed I have a Katoni aster bush around my deck and uh in this deep stark cold snowy blowy winter i've seen those little chickadee looking things out there one or two mm-hmm. of them and then, then i don't even know where they go when, the, when they're yeah. done and i don't even know what they're looking for but uh, it's they they were thriving i think uh yeah and uh you you also talked about uh uh creatures that depend upon a deep snow, and you talked about the rough grouse, for instance. Yeah. So the the chickadees, the black capped chickadees, uh, what a great bird! These little tiny, uh, you know, black and white birds that are so friendly and gregarious, and they <clears throat> they're around all over the place. And they're they're really a northern bird. We don't find them in the southern states, and they don't migrate, and they make it through the winter. And these are little tiny birds that uh, need to find. Uh, sufficient food resources during the day in order to build up enough fat reserves to last them the entire night. As, you know, as we all know, these nights can be long and dark. And so um, they are out there at the crack of dawn every day, uh, not because they're cheerful, not because they're, you know, <laughs> happy to be around, but they're finding food in order to survive the next night. So for these birds, every day is a survival situation. And then you have other birds like the rough grouse, which uh, depends on this deep snow uh, because they will uh, dive into the snow, burrow into the snow, and that blanket of snow really makes a big difference for them. Uh, at the nature center here, we we do things with the kids where we'll take a uh, yardstick with a um, thermometer probe on the end of it, and we'll take the air temperature at first. And so, you know, it may be whatever it may be, you know, 10 degrees or or so, and then we'll take that yardstick and plunge it into the snow and take the temperature, uh, you know, about three feet down. And you'll find next to the earth, the temperatures are closer to 30 degrees, closer to freezing. So showing that the, the snow is actually a good blanket, good insulating blanket, and it helps these uh, birds to survive these you know, really cold nights when we get that bone-breaking cold, you know, and it's 25 degrees below zero. And, um, and you know, these birds are, are doing just fine because they're, they're not migratory. Hey, uh, we want to take a little break here, and then when we continue our conversation very shortly, uh, let's talk a bit about, speaking of cold, about your Alaska adventure. Did you bring a a tour group in accompanying you on that one? Yes, uh, I had a group, yeah, a group to Alaska, and I'd be happy to tell you all about it. All right, sea otters and bald eagles. It's coming up, Stan Tequila, T-E-K-I-E-L-A. Google him, and then... uh, you need a bird book for somebody anywhere in the country? He's got it. Uh, KFGO time, 419. This is Afternoons Live with Tyler Axness. 
I'm Jack Sunday. But we sure had a good time when we... To Afternoons Live with Tyler Axness on the Mighty 790 and 104.7 KFGO. Way up north, north to Alaska. Way up north, north to Alaska. North to Alaska. Go north for us is home. Well, you know, uh, our guest, friend, associate, uh, naturalist, photographer, author, lecturer, tour guide, uh, Stan Tequila, T-E-K-I-E-L-A, is uh, is with us here and on the uh, on Afternoons Live. And thank you for uh, continuing to join us. Yeah, no problem. Great bumper music on that one. I love it. So the, um, the trip to Alaska, uh, you went to see sea, sea otters and uh, bald eagles. Tell us yeah. about that. So this is a trip I offer every year, and um, I've got uh, I've, I'm already offering it for 2024, so that'd be next February. And I've two I got two spots left. Uh, people can go to naturesmart.com and and for more information about that. And uh, we spend five days um, on a boat. Uh, we go back and forth uh, in different bays in different areas of the Ketchumak Bay, and we uh, photograph bald eagles and also sea otters. And sea otters are a species that are very different from river otters in that they are uh, they uh, well, first of all, they're adapted to be in salt water, and they're adapted to eating um, of uh, crustaceans as opposed to fish. River otters eat mostly fish, and these and these um, uh, sea otters are much larger, so upwards of six feet long, and can weigh 70, 80, uh, up to 100 pounds sometimes. So they're a really big otter, and um, they give birth. Uh, the females give birth at any time of year. So uh, uh, while we were there, uh, we came across quite a few mothers who had young babies. And in fact, one of them who uh, had a baby probably an hour or so before we came up, came by because the baby still had the umbilical cord attached and the placenta was still presenting. And it was just amazing to see this mother with this newborn pup. And she was just taking this little uh, pup and rolling it around in her hands. Uh, of course, you know, they float on their back, and then she's got this uh, little pup she's holding up out of the water and just licking it all over, uh, cleaning it up. It was, it was such a just a marvelous thing to see and actually able to uh, photograph and document that. Uh, there'll be a picture or two on the uh, webpage that well, you'll be able to see. At naturesmart.com. Uh, yeah. So, and that we're talking about frigid conditions where you were and what you were seeing, right? Oh, yeah. And, um it's it's not too bad. It's uh, it can be moderated by the ocean, so it's it's you know not not too extreme. Uh, sure, it gets cold down to zero or so, but in in generally in speaking, it's a uh, in the teens to the twenties most of the time. And uh, so, and then the bald eagles are everywhere, and uh, it's quite an adventure to see. So you can again, you can see some pictures on the on the website too. You'll be able to see uh, uh, things that we that we took there. So. Hey, hey, um, hey, those mm-hmm. uh, those uh, ocean otters uh, are aren't they very aggressive? Uh, out, you know, they're, they're when we talk about the river otters, they seem fairly friendly, and we know they're not. You don't want to go pet one, but uh, no. uh, do they have a different temperament than what we think we see? Well, um, I wouldn't want to mess with them. <laughs> um, 
River otters here in Minnesota and the Dakotas have been known to bite people. Uh, so uh, these are people who are in the water swimming, and uh, the otters are protecting them, uh, you know, their their families and such. And so they'll they've been known to to uh, to kind of go after people and bite them. Sea otters, on the other hand, are not as um, aggressive. And I'm wondering only if that's because they don't have as much contact direct contact with people in the water because who the heck's swimming around in the ocean in those kinds of years. So um, <laughs> it's, yeah, but the, the sea otters are large, large otters. Like you say, they can be five feet and almost a hundred pounds. And uh, so they're a, they're a formidable uh, animal. And then they, they make a living by um, opening up uh, things like, uh, you know, seafood. So they're taking crustaceans and, 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 and clams and, and uh, muscles and able to pop them open. And you can, it's so funny because, you know, we get fairly close to them when we're photographing them and you just hear them crunching away. It is the loudest crunching you've ever heard. If your family member did crunching this loud, you'd probably, you know, <laughs> give them a backhand to the head because it's so annoying. But these sea otters, it's absolutely adorable to listen to them crunching away on all their food there. So St- it's a lot of fun. Stan, we consider ourselves fortunate to have a chance to visit with you now and again, and this was a pleasure. Uh, again, uh, naturesmart.com. I've been following it for years, and you can also just remember his name and Google it and find find the book you want, T-E-K-I-E-L-A. If they're on good, solid bond, you can drop it in the moss, and it isn't all messed up. Hey, good talking to you, Stan. See you again. All right, Jack. Take care. Talk to you next time. 428 p.m. This is Afternoons Live with Tyler Axness with Jack Sunday. He said he